through the one for our small groups for this coming um, Sunday night. We've got our small groups um, going to be changing up just a little bit this coming Sunday night. And uh, so if you haven't had a chance to sign up for a small group, make sure you take a look at that. I'm not going to go through each of them again, but if you would go ahead and pass that through the small groups and sign up. There we go. It helps if I turn this thing on. Thank you, Brother Eric, for that. Make sure you sign up for that. And uh, let's go ahead and pass through the clipboard also for the knives and for the, the sign language, too, if you would. This is a good time that we're all together in here. We can get it passed through, and if you haven't had a chance to see those yet, that will help you. Take your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 64 tonight, if you would. Isaiah 64. Last Sunday night, it seemed like it was a great night. We had a lot of new people that were there, a great turnout and praise the Lord for that. It's great to see you there to, on Sunday night, and uh, just to see. Um, it was amazing, uh, the, the, the turnout, the number of people that were there, and, and uh, to see people raise their hands that trusted in Christ their Savior. We praise the Lord for that. Amen. Isaiah chapter 64. We're going to read the whole chapter here in just a moment. We want to, once again, tonight, we're finishing up a kind of a mini-series we've been looking at Isaiah, seeing God through the eyes of Isaiah, um, getting to know God from what Isaiah saw. God revealed himself to Isaiah. Um, God inspired Isaiah then to write these words for us so that we can then learn from it. Um, you could think of it like theology, of learning theology, learning about God from Isaiah, a great book to read, to learn more about God. And we've just been pulling out some of the gems um, out of the book of Isaiah. And so I want to continue tonight as we look here in Isaiah chapter 64. Let's go ahead and read it. If you'll follow along there, I'll read aloud. Oh, that thou wouldest send the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to the, thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down. The mountains flowed down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth. For we have sinned in those, uh, in those as countenance, um, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that called upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take a hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and has consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay, and Thou our potter, and we all are the work of Thine hand. Be not wroth, very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech Thee, we are all Thy people. Thy holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem is desolation. 
our holy and our beautiful house where our fathers praised thee is burned up with fire and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself from these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? Let's have a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for being an awesome and mighty and powerful God. God, you are a holy God, a righteous God, a righteous judge. And Lord, I'm thankful for your mercy and your grace, your forgiveness. And Lord, we pray that tonight you would speak to our hearts. Lord, as we see here as Isaiah is crying out, may we also see the need for us to cry out. Lord, we so desperately need you. Lord, we so desperately need for our country to turn to you. And I pray, Lord, that tonight you would challenge our hearts once again. Lord, that you be glorified in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we see that um, Isaiah is crying out, praying to God. We're going to delve into his prayer, but he's praying because the people of Israel are in trouble. They're, they're in a bad place. There's a lot of terrible things that are going on. It's uh, lots of trouble. You ever been in lots of trouble? You ever been in a place where you got into young people? You ever been in trouble at home where mom and dad were upset with you? You got maybe scolded or maybe the, the, the Board of Education was applied that did some training in your life? You know what I'm talking about. It kind of reminds me of a story I heard about these two boys. They were always getting in trouble. Eight and, eight and ten years old, they were brothers. I mean, if there's anything that went bad inside the community... They always thought it was these two guys were involved. I mean, they were always getting in trouble. Well, there was a pastor that was coming to town, and the mom heard about this pastor and how that he, he was really good with, with uh, kids and, and being able to help them to understand how they should act and what they should do. And so she set up an appointment with the pastor, and, and as, that, as the, the, the boys came in, they were like, real, like, you know, like, what's going on here? Well, one of them sat down out in the, the lobby, and the other one went into the, the pastor's office. Well, that eight-year-old boy was the first one in there, and the minister sat him down, and he, he said to him with very strong gaze, looking at him in words, he says, where is God? Hmm. Little boy just sat there and looked at him and didn't know what to say. And so the minister raised his voice a little bit more sternly. He says, where is God? Little boy just sat there, didn't say anything. He wouldn't respond. He was just standing there looking at the pastor. And finally, the pastor said it with very much volume and great authority. He said, where is God? That little boy got up and ran out of that office, ran by the other boy that was sitting out there. And the other boy said, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, man, I'll tell you what, we're in trouble this time. They've lost God and they think that we stole him. Oh, man. Sometimes we're in trouble, aren't we? Malachi, you ever been in trouble? Yeah. Ty, you ever been in trouble? Yeah. We've all been in trouble. You know our country's in trouble right now. We as a country, we as a people, we're in a lot of trouble right now. And here we see that the Israelites, they were in a lot of trouble. Big trouble. Big problems. But we must remember that we have a big God. Here we see that Isaiah is crying out to God. And you know, we, over the past several weeks, we've looked at God through the eyes of Isaiah. 
And we have seen in chapter 6 that God is a holy God on His throne. We saw in chapter 9 that God is a great God. He is a grand and glorious God. He needs many names to describe Him. In chapter 14, we saw that God is a God of purpose, and His purposes are always fulfilled. And then we looked at chapter 25, and we saw that God is a God that doeth wonderful things and is worthy of our praise. And then in chapter 40, that God is in a class all to Himself. And finally tonight, as we come to the close of this this mini-study looking at here that through the eyes of Isaiah, we come to chapter 64. And there it tells us that this God, a God that is in the heavens, is the God we need here on earth. The God that is in the heavens is a God that we need right here on earth. And I submit unto you that the God that we've learned about through in a, uh, this study, looking through the eyes of Isaiah for these last several weeks, is the God that we need a visit from right now in this country, in this church, in our lives. We have a biblical revelation of God, but we need a personal, a personal and national revelation of God. We need God to be right here in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our midst, in this church. This nation needs God right now in a desperate way. The God that is in the heavens is the God that we need here on earth. And I want us to think about that for a few moments tonight. As we look at these verses, as Isaiah is praying and crying out to God, and as we look at this passage, the first thing I want you to notice is we see a plea for God's presence here on earth. A plea for God's presence here on earth. Look at verse number 1 once again. We read the prayer and the plea of the prophet. He says, Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down. Isaiah is asking for a visitation of God here on earth. He is praying and pleading with God that He would have His presence here on earth. And the first thing I want you to notice here as we look at this plea for God's presence, we see a past visitation of God to which he looked back at. He's looking back to when God had visited before. There in verse number 3, we see the prophet. He looks to a past visitation of God. He says, thou camest down. He's remembering when God had come before. Isaiah looks back to a former time when God's presence had been experienced here on earth. That word there, camest, it's a word that speaks of a descent downwards to a lower region. When God came from heaven, He came to earth in the past. The God that occupies the heavens had come down to this lowly earth and made His presence known to man. Now listen, I don't know much uh, um, about the exact uh, time He's talking about here. You can't, I, by looking at it, I can't tell exactly what it is. But what I can tell is this, how marvelous a visit it was. He doesn't say the exact time of what it was. We don't know exactly, but what he describes, it's a marvelous visit that Isaiah was was reminding God about and reminding himself about as he prays. When he, He says there, when thou didst terrible things, we look not for. Terrible things. That word there, terrible, it speaks of that which causes great reverence. God doing something that is so powerful and almighty, that terrible, that it causes great reverence. It was not an awful event, but an amazing event he's talking about. Amazing thing that God did. The phrase, we looked not for, it speaks of the unexpected things from God. It wasn't something that we were looking for. It was something above and beyond. It was an amazing thing that caused people to reverence a holy God, an almighty God, a great God. What God did, men marveled. Men, they reverenced Him. 
that respected him. Isaiah also speaks of how mighty was his visit for Isaiah. And he speaks of this. He says, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. The mountains flowed down at thy presence. There had been a mighty demonstration of God's ability. There was no question about the fact that God was there and people knew that God was working. You know, throughout history, there have been those special visitations of God. I think about in this country alone, there have been those special visitations of God. I mean, think about if you've ever heard of, anybody ever studied the, the Great Awakening here in this country? Ever studied the Great Awakening? Anybody ever even heard of that? Raise your hand if you've heard of the Great Awakening. Okay, many, many hands being raised. Many of you know about it. If you haven't though, man, what a miracle. What a great visitation from God here in this country and what God did. Amazing. God worked through preachers in that day. And I want to just, one particular I want to point out, his name was, and many of you probably have heard the name, Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards in Enfield, Connecticut. On one occasion, he preached a message. Does anybody remember the name of the message? The most famous message preached by Jonathan Edwards. Yes, Malachi. That's right. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. I've heard it said and described about when he preached that message that he wasn't some flamboyant preacher that was able to talk with great eloquence. Matter of fact, it's said that he held his manuscript up like this that people couldn't even see his face. And as he preached that message, the, the, the God that we're talking about of heaven came down and began to speak to people's hearts in such a way that people came under such great conviction. God was speaking to their hearts. God was pulling at their heart in such a way it wasn't because of a man named Jonathan Edwards that was so eloquent. It's because a man called Jonathan Edwards allowed the Holy Spirit of God to work in his life. And the God of heaven came down and visited the people that night. People, it said that people, they rushed down the aisle and they cried out, Mr. Edwards, have mercy. Of course, talking about the message. Others, they caught hold of the backs of the pew lest they would slip into the pit. Described as though they felt as though they could fall into hell at that moment. They knew they were sinners. They knew they needed to be saved. They knew if they died in that place that they would go to hell. You know, that power of that sermon is still felt even today. The, 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 the power of that, I'm talking about the outcome of that, the number of people that got saved and what happened as a, a, a result of that great awakening. You know, in the Bible, read of past visits of God and throughout history, there are those special times when, when God, the God of heaven, comes down to earth. These are the times when God did marvelous and mighty things at times when God's presence was made known here on earth. And so we see the first thing I want you to notice with me tonight, we see here that, that there's a past visitation of God to which he looked. He looked back and he remembered. He looked back and remembered. I want to stop for just a moment. Can you look back and remember in your life when God was in, your, was in that place that you were at while you were praying, when God was in that service, when God was moving, when souls were being saved, when life were being changed? Can we look back and see that? I want you to notice, secondly, there was a present visitation of God for which he longed for. He longed for it again. Oh, he wanted to see it again. The prophet's plea in prayer in verse 1 is that God would come down. 
God would come down. The prophet is seeking a present demonstration of God's power right now. God, come down now like you did in the past. As you did before. God, come and work like you did in the past. You see, the prophet is seeking a powerful demonstration of God's presence as well. Not just a present, but a powerful He speaks of the mountains flowing down in His presence. The language that is used there in verse number 2, it says, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil. Sounds to me like a volcano type of situation. Now we don't know for sure, but we certainly know that it was awe-inspiring. Isaiah is asking God for a powerful and forceful demonstration of His presence right there in the land, amongst the people, amongst the enemies of the people. Right now, God, we need You now. And I once again submit unto You that in the day in which we live right now, we need such a visitation from God. We need God right now. We need God to to work in His people, that God would be seen, that people would see the power of God in this country once again. As God visited in the past, we need Him right now. We need a great awakening right now. We need to see the power of God right now. If there is any hope for this country, We need the power of God right now. We see a plea. A plea from Isaiah as he cries out to God for the presence of God on earth right now. Secondly, I want you to notice a purpose for the power of God on earth. A purpose. The reason Isaiah wants God, the God in heaven, to come down to earth is so the power of God can be demonstrated. Isaiah, he defines two reasons that he desires the power of God to be made known. First of all, he wants there to be a personal acquaintance with God that is produced. A personal acquaintance with God that is produced. In verse number 2, Isaiah, he desires a demonstration of God's power. Look what it says. He says, to make thy name known unto thine adversaries. The word their adversaries, it speaks of an opponent. Isaiah is speaking of those who have rejected God. The word know, it speaks of bringing into a personal knowledge and acquaintance. Isaiah is saying that when the power of God is made known, sinners will come to know the Lord. When the power of God is visible before people, people will see God's power and will come to know the Lord. You know, some of the greatest harvests of souls have been during those special times when God's power was manifested in a special way. Great awakening, once again. The Great Awakening. It's estimated that some 25 to 50,000 people got saved during the Great Awakening. Oh, doesn't sound like a big number. Remember the time frame that we're talking about. There was about 325,000 people that would have been living in that area at the time. We're talking about the New England states. We're talking about the colonies. Can you imagine 25 to 50,000 of them getting saved? That's in addition to those that were already saved. Put that into perspective of what we're talking about today. That, that, would, be the, that would have the impact of, 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 uh, impact of 25 to 50,000 people then would be more than 340,000 today. Oh, excuse me, 30 million. Let me get my numbers straight here. 30 million. Can you imagine in our country today having a great awakening or revival that goes across this country where 30 million come to know Christ as their Savior? Why won't we? 
Why can't we? 30 million. 9-11, a little over 2,000 people died. Our whole country came together. Our whole country went to war for a 20-year war. We are in a spiritual battle right now where there are thousands of people that are dying and going to hell for all eternity. It's interesting, at the Red River meeting, Logan County, Kentucky in 1800, the power of God was so manifested that people dropped to the floor crying, what shall I do to be saved? Can you imagine being in a meeting where people are crying out, what shall I do to be saved? The power of the Holy Spirit of God is so powerful in, in speaking to people's hearts where God's people are so consecrated and sold out for Him that God can work in that way. And people are saying, what shall I do to be saved? We need such a visit from God. A visit that will convict sinners and, and convert sinners. We read in John 16.8, it says, and when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I want you to think about a number with me for a moment. In the world we live in today with over 7 billion people, every day 385,000 more lost souls are added to the number. Added to the number. 385,000 approximate babies are born every single day in this world. I say it's added to the number because the, the, the number continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the number of people that need to be saved is greater and greater and greater and greater. You see, there are more than 2.7 million more lost people in the world today than there was last Wednesday. We have a great need. It's been said that if you lined up every lost person one behind the other, they would circle the globe 30 times and that line grows at a rate of 20 miles a day. We're talking about the births, but what about the deaths every day? People that are dying without Christ and going to a Christless eternity. And yes, that ought to burden our hearts. That ought to burden our hearts that people are dying. There's people that are lost on the way to hell. But the most important reason why we want to see people saved is for God's glory. Amen. Not about humanitarian aid. It's not about just saving a soul from hell. It's about doing what God wants to do and allowing God to do it through us. Seeing the power of God from heaven, the God from heaven coming down and working in a church like, like Lighthouse Baptist Church and a person like Brian Blount. Fill, fill your name in there. We need a visit from God. We need God to work mightily within us. We need God to come into this place where the Spirit of God is felt in this place because we are consecrated unto God. We are sold out unto God and we are willing to pay the price. We need it. You know, many of you have loved ones that are unsaved. Many of them are hardened by sin. You've prayed for them. You've, you've invited them to come to church. You've witnessed to them. And maybe you feel like you say, I can't reach them. Listen, I can tell you what can reach them. A mighty and powerful visitation of God. That's what we need. There are people that are dying and on their way to hell and we need God to come to this place now in this time for this season in this place. 
And we see here that there's a personal acquaintance with God that has produced a purpose in the power of God on earth. He's asking that it be a personal thing, but you know it's more than just that. If we see this happen in the personal level, we see people get saved, we see people's lives transformed, we see the second thing that we see Isaiah praying about, we see a national reverence for God that is produced as well. It affects the country. In verse 2, Isaiah also spoke of the effect of God's power on that nation. Isaiah asked that God come down that the nations may tremble at thy presence. That word there, tremble, it speaks of one standing in awe of God, possessing a holy fear and reverence of God. Isaiah, he wants to see a mighty demonstration of God, so once again, there'll be reverence of God in all his nation and the nations around them. You see, a visit from God will not only have a personal impact, but it has a national impact as well. That's the only thing that's going to fix this country, folks. The only hope for the future of this country is what we're talking about tonight. The only hope for our community is that God would would come down from heaven and speak to people's hearts. And listen, God does it through His people. You know, history has shown that those special visits from God, they have not only had a spiritual impact on churches, but they have had a national impact as well. The impact that it's had on this country, that Great Awakening had a huge impact on the course of the future for this country. You go back and study it. There was a time when the country turned away from God. When that Great Awakening happened, it was a time when there was a a whole lot of terrible things that were happening in this country. You go back and and research it, look at it. We think that we have godly uh, forefathers, and yes, we did, but there was a time when the the next generation came and, and they turned away from God and there needed to be a revival happening in this country. But as a result of that Great Awakening, it got the country back in line with where it needed to be. That's exactly where we're at today. We need to get back to God. And we need to know that God can send revival to this country. Let me just share with you about the Welsh revival. If you've ever done any study about revivals, listen about the Welsh revival. Not only were there more than 100,000 saved within a year's time, but also the whole of Wales was affected. It changed everything about Wales. There was a writer that wrote about the Welsh Revival and he said this. He says, the whole of Wales was now affected. Hardened unbelievers were gloriously converted. Drunkards, thieves, and gamblers were transformed. Confessions of awful sins were heard on every side. Old debts were paid. Miners prayed together before beginning their shifts in the coal mines. Pit ponies, unused to the new kindness and clean language without the unusual kicks and curses, almost stopped working until they got adjusted. Courts had few cases to try. Dance halls and pubs were were empty. But the prayer meetings, the crowds were huge. People were praying. Listen, nothing will change the moral climate of a nation any more or any faster than a visit from God. That's what we need in this country. We need God to visit this country. God to visit us. God to work through us. Listen, there is nothing we need greater in America than a visit from God. Never in the history of America have we slipped so low as we are right now. Never. We need a visit from God. We're God's people. We're called by His name. 
We have the Holy Spirit of God within us. The almighty, powerful God wanting to work through us. We call ourselves a Christian nation. We may call ourselves a Christian nation, but listen, I'll tell you what, we're getting further and further away from what that truly means. I think about a prayer that Paul Harvey shared in one of his broadcasts. The response to this broadcast was bigger than any other broadcast he ever had, if you remember Paul Harvey. But I want to share it with you. It was a pastor. His name was Joe Wright. He was asked to open the new sessions of the Kansas Senate. Everyone was expecting the usual generalities, going to get up and say a nice prayer, and then sit down and move on, right? That's not what happened this day. He got up, and this is his prayer. Listen to what he said as he prayed. He said, Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good, but that's exactly what we've done. We've lost our spiritual equilibrium. We've reversed our values. We confess that we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and called it lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have converted our neighbors, coveted our neighbors' possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God. And know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Guide and bless these men and women who have been sent to direct us to the center of your will. I ask in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What a powerful prayer. Well, there were a number of legislatures that got up and walked out during that prayer and protest. But I can say this today, that Joe Wright, he was right. He was absolutely right in what he was praying. America, we so desperately need a visit from God. We need for God to mightily demonstrate His power that we need to have in in our life, a personal power that God would show in our life that it would impact our nation, that the nation would reverence God as a result of the power that is seen in the Christian life. And the sad truth is today, what is so sad is that those that are unbelievers, they look to Christians and they say, we don't want what they have. They're no different. Matter of fact, they're worse than. It ought not be that way. It ought not be that way. We need to understand the only thing that can save America from the moral plunge that she has taken in the past few years is to to restore a reverence for God in this country. And it's a mighty visit from God is what's going to restore that. And it's going to happen as a result of God working within our life. That's one way that it will. That's the way I desire it. That's the way I pray it. But you know God? God can reveal His mighty power in other ways as well. God can bring down judgment, and He has been. All you got to do is open your eyes, folks. They try to explain it away. I mean, I just heard our president this week talking about global warming. Climate change is what's causing these problems. Huh. 
hey, listen, is it perhaps that God is judging this country? Don't blame it on global warming. Let's talk about, we don't talk about warming. Talk about hell, and hell is real. Talk about what people are doing and how people are denying God. How people are spitting at God. How people are refusing to believe God. How people don't care what God says. Yes, our country needs a revival. The only hope for America is for God to come down and God to show His power through His people. We see a plea for the presence of God on the earth, a purpose for the power of God on the earth. And then thirdly and lastly, we see a prerequisite for the people of God on earth. Prerequisite. Isaiah's plea in prayer is for God to come down. God, come down to it again. God, you did it in the past to it again. You know, as in our day, there was a great need for God to come down, but Isaiah recognizes why God has not come down. God hadn't come down yet. And he recognizes why. There's a reason why. He puts the fault on the people of God. Look at verse number 7. Notice what he says. He says, Thou hast hid thy face from who? Us. Us. The us that he's speaking of here is the people of God. You're hiding your face from us, God. The people of God are to blame, he says. God's not coming down because of his own people. And I want you to notice two reasons Isaiah gives for God not coming down. Number one, the sins of the people of God. Look at verse number 6. But we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Strong words. Strong words. They're going through the motions. They're doing their acts of religion. But it's nothing but filthy rags. Nothing but filthy rags. It's weak. There's no power. It fades as a leaf. Iniquities have taken us away. The power is no longer there. The power of God is no longer there with the people of God. In verse 7, we read it. It's because of our iniquities, he says. The God that we have seen and considered over the past few weeks is still the same God today as He was then. There is nothing that has changed about Him. He is as much the God that Isaiah saw and described today as He was then. Hey, listen. The problem is not with God. The problem is with His people. It is our sins that prevent God from visiting us. It falls on our shoulders. R.A. Torah, he once said this. He says, I can give a prescription that will bring a revival to any church or community or any city on earth. The first thing he said was this. Let a few Christians, they need not be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. This is the prime essential. If this is not done, the rest that I'm going to say will come to nothing. That's where it starts. A few Christians getting thoroughly right with God. 
You see, God's people must confess their sins if we, if we are going to have a visit from God, if we're going to see the power of God in this place. We must confront our sins. We must confess our sins. We must be cleansed of our sins. A.W. Tozer, he gave a prescription for revival and included these words. He said, do a thorough job of repenting. Hasty repentance means a shallow spiritual experience. Let godly sorrow do her healing work. Godly sorrow. It's not about just coming to an altar and praying a prayer and getting right back up the same way you were and going back to the same pit you were in. It's about repentance. It's being sorrowful for what you've done and asking God to forgive you, seeing sin for what it is, what it's caused. What it does. Naming sin, sin as God names it. Seeing it as God sees it. You see, it's our wretched habit of tolerating sin that keeps us in our half-dead condition. So many Christians today are half-dead because they're living in sin. So the first reason why we see that the prerequisite for the people of God on earth to see God come, the number one reason is because of the sin of the people. That's why He hadn't come yet. The second thing we see there in verse number 7 is the silence of the people of God. The silence. Look at verse 7. And there is none that calleth upon Thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of Thee. The country is being destroyed. Judgment is coming. And the Israelites won't even cry out to God for help. They're silent. They're not only living in iniquity, but they're also living in indifference. They don't even care. Don't care. Total indifference. Do we care? Do we? Is there hope? Have we gotten to the place where we just written it off? Lord's coming soon. Yeah, He is coming soon. Work for the night is coming. Yes, He's coming soon. And people are lost and on their way to hell. Yes, He's coming soon. I don't want Him to be ashamed of me when He comes. Yes, He's coming soon. We ought to pray all the more. We ought to be on our face before God. Can there be a revival in our day? Yes. Yes. Where does it start? Where does it start? With prayers like Isaiah had crying out to God, acknowledging who He is. God, You are all-powerful. God, You are worthy. God, I pray that You would come and You would come down to earth and show Your power like You did in times past. God, would You send revival like You did there at that Welch revival. 
God, would you send a revival like at the Great Awakening when the Holy Spirit of God moved with such power that people were moved. He's the same today as he was then. He hasn't changed. You think it's God's will that the people be saved? You think it'd be God's will that there'd be revival in this land? So where's it going to start? If we ever needed the God in heaven on earth, it's today. If we ever needed a special visit from God, it's today. If we never needed to see His presence and His power manifested, it's today. God is but waiting on His people to get right and get hungry. Get right. Get on our knees. Repent. Ask God to send revival. Let's all stand with our heads bowed, eyes closed as we pray. God, we pray. We pray that you would come and show your power. Lord, we need you. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our iniquities and indifference. Lord, speak to our hearts. I want to invite you tonight. Would you pray? Would you pray that God would begin revival with you? Would you just give your life to the Lord and say, Lord, use me. Lord, I want your power. Lord, I want to see so saved. Lord, I, I want to be used as a vessel. You are the potter. Lord, take me. Use me. Would you pray for revival? I invite you. Would you come? Would you just come and pray? Would you come give your heart to the Lord? Would you come pray for revival tonight? Let's pray.
Let's sing that chorus. Would you?